G'day and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. which was Joseph's old town. They ride a donkey. <laughs> I don't know. A camel. Oh, yeah, a camel. She said, this donkey's fast. Well, they tried to go to a hotel, and they asked the keeper um, for a place to stay. The keeper said, we have no rooms. Literally, no rooms. <laughs> so Mary and Joseph walked away sadly, but then he said, the only place in... Here in Bethlehem, that that you can stay stay is a staple, and then he just pointed the way and they followed. When the shepherds were taking care of the sheep, then they saw angels. The angels said, "A new baby is getting born, who is king of the Jews." The angel was singing. And then the shepherd said, I think we should go there and meet him. The second, I think, said, yeah, I agree with you. And the other said, yeah, me too. They had to walk through a bunch of grass and bushes, maybe have to camp out a night. Then the wise men heard about it. And then a star appeared. Well, we should probably follow that star. It's pointing down to the barn. So maybe we should follow it. Maybe. So the wise men went to Jesus. They gave them gifts. A stuffed animal, like a hippo one, to have at home. Some diapers, and some wipes, and some milk, some shoes, <laughs> some Jordans. Gold, Frank, and Latimer. And I don't know how I would survive in that barn. Too stinky, too crowded, and ugh. I think... He probably pooped because the room was very smelly. Thank you for coming. He's adorable. He's going to be our best friend. I love you and you're the best baby i ever seen. There, I said it. <laughs> the new baby is going to change the world. There you go. 
himself, aren't he? Indeed. That's the Christmas story from the perspective of kids. Wherever you are in Australia today, on our radio network, Faith FM, I want to welcome you to the Aussie Pastor Radio Show. This is our last one of the year, Hunty. It is. Christmas is upon us. Yep. In fact, we've never gone this deep ever into radio land. Really? You know, we usually finish at the end of December. Well, the beginning of December, not the end. Okay. This is the end. But here we are, deep into Christmas, and today we've got a special Christmas program, and we'd like to welcome you all to the program. Hope you're blessed by it. We've got some incredible testimonies of the goodness of God over Christmas. But I want to recognise something before we start hunting. What's that? Christmas is not always a good time for everybody. No, it's I think true. we often say that, don't we? We do. Uh, Christmas can be a very sad time sometimes. But anyway... Welcome to the program today, and I think we're going to start with a prayer, and I'm going to ask Hunty to do that. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, it's a great privilege to come before you this afternoon on radio, and first, Lord, I want to give thanks to our listeners, Lord, and pray that you bless them, uh, bless them with peace, prosperity, and health, with their heart's desires, Lord. We pray you look after our listeners, and also I pray for my mate Lloyd as he opens your Bible this afternoon. But Lord, we thank you for the beautiful, precious gift of Jesus that you gave us to save us from this world of sin. Thank you, Lord, for all your blessings this year, Lord. And as we start our last program for the year, we pray that you're with us this afternoon. In your precious name, Jesus, we ask. Amen. Amen. You know what I like about kids, Hunty? What's that? And why I wanted to put that little... Uh, by the way, that those kids are from Southland Christian Church in the United States of okay. America. Yeah, but you know why I wanted to put it on? Because they have a really simple faith that just accepts the reality of Jesus, the reality that he came. And as I'm listening to the way they tell their story in the context of their childish uh, mannerisms and language, they got the story pretty much right. Sure did. About about God, who got down off his throne and came down to earth as a, a baby and... Saved the world. It's a great story, Hunty. It really is. It and is. It we're is. going to have some Christmas carols today. Is that all right, mate? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> this this first one, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, it's a good song. It's uh, an old song. It's an old Christmas carol, and it's sung by Bing Crosby. You know, you know who he is, Hunty? I do. He'd be from your age, from your time, from your era, wouldn't he? <laughs> Big Crosby, <laughs> he's an old crooner, but he's a beautiful singer, isn't he? Yeah, and, and he really sings this nicely. He does. And as Christmas is upon us, I think it's Tuesday. Well, what what is it? Christmas is on. It's the twentieth of December. It's on Sunday. 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 That's Sunday. right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, let's get into the spirit because I tell you what, I haven't felt like Christmas is really coming on us. No, we've been working too hard, mate. Well, you have. I, I haven't, <laughs> but you have. <laughs> Enjoy this song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Newborn King. Gloria, Gloria. 
upon the midnight clear that glorious song of old from angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold is These old dudes, Hunty, who have left us, have left us with legacy, haven't they, with some of their songs? You know, I was listening to these songs earlier uh, today as I was just checking them. Yeah. And I was absolutely blown away at the quality of the vocals. Yeah. I mean, this man is talented. Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra, Nat Nat King Cole, some of the guys we've got singing today, they're as good a singers as we've had in the last 150 years. Yeah, I thought they were just old crooners, but when I I listened to them on our digital monitors here in the studio, I was in awe at the quality, their accuracy and pitch. They're, they're just their purity of sound. I was just blown away. And they sing beautifully. They, when, you yeah. listen, when you listen to that, it makes me think of Christmas. It makes me sense Christmas. It makes me feel Christmas. Hey, Hunty, just before we get into anything today, um, I want to get into the news. And I, I, There's not a lot of Christmas news around. But <laughs> before we get there, what, and I'll share what I do too, but what, what are you guys planning this Christmas for your family? Oh, dear. <laughs> Look, I don't want to sound like the Christmas Grinch, but, but um, oh. Well, huh. so, um, while you're thinking about that, no, you... no, no. Post, post. I, I divorced. I divorced about 22 years ago, when my kids were were little, and I, I used to make a, a huge celebration with my kids for Christmas. We'd always yeah. go somewhere, have lots of good times and fun and presents. But oh, I, I had issues with access and taking turns for Christmas. I didn't like that. Yeah, and so. Um, my my current wife and I, we kind of bar humbug it a little bit because when we don't have our kids, it doesn't feel like Christmas. I think you probably represent a lot of people out there, Hunty, who, as I said when we started this program, and I know we talk about this a little bit, well, we do in Christian circles, how Christmas is not always an easy, easy time of year. But at least, Hunty, with you... You have got your yes. beautiful wife. I know, right? Um, and so, this year, yeah, we're heading up. Well, after church, late Saturday afternoon, early Saturday evening, 
we're heading off with the caravan. Probably we'll get away just after dinner. Yep. And we're heading north, I think. Because that's uh, you, you're on holidays then. Yeah, I officially go on holidays after church on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Sabbath. Oh, that should be good. Um, you get up there. Are you, are you going to Queensland or somewhere around so, there? So we'll drive We'll drive Saturday night through to, from about 6 or 7 till about 10 or 11. We'll yep. pull into a truck stop somewhere. Yep. Um, our caravan is fully off-grid, fully powered up, fully independent. So uh, we'll as, set up as our... A, as, if, if, <laughs> if our listeners knew, Hunty, I've got to say, as it would be, yes. It's got a ridiculous amount of uh, lithium batteries and inverters So can and you put the air conditioner on I can top? run the air conditioner, the all fridge, night? the all TV, night? All, all night. night. Yeah, all night. So, so. so in that truck stop, whether we're in a heat wave or not, <laughs> yeah. at Christmas time, you're okay. This is, by the way, it'll be Christmas Eve. Yeah, that's right. We'll wake up Christmas morning. Yep. Probably 6 or 7 o'clock we'll wake up. Have a hottie and have some breakfast. I'll probably do pancakes. That's my favourite thing Sunday morning is to do pancakes. And then my wife and I will head north and hopefully we'll get somewhere around Kingscliff by, you know, lunchtime. Okay, and then you'll be on the beach for a while. And then we will be holidaying, yeah. Well, on um, for me, on, when was it? Monday morning, Sunday night, no, Saturday night. I got up at 2.30 Sunday morning, a.m. <laughs> I was thinking of you. Yeah. Actually, you were awake, mate. You sent me a message. Well, I, I was just finishing off church. We had a couple of technical broadcast issues. So I was just finishing off church at 2.30. You were awake, well yeah. and truly. So um, I got up, and I, I didn't get to bed till midnight, and I took my wife to the airport because her, her father is very sick. Yeah. And she's had to go over, really without a lot of warning, to Indonesia, her home country to say goodbye so for the first time in more than a decade i'll be spending christmas without lizzie but i won't be alone because my eldest daughter my youngest daughter and my two sons so there'll be five of us family we'll all be together yep. and i've got two girls who can well i've got two girls and a boy who can cook really well so i can guarantee you that in the Grolleman house on christmas day there might not be many of us but we're going to be having a good time everybody's had to go out and buy everybody a present and that's hard for me because i've got to get hold of cash and the reason i'm going to get hold of cash is because if i use a credit card liz can knows what that's i've spent right. and so it's very difficult and i'm still i've still got a she's gone overseas and i've still got a cash crisis for the presents can you tell me how to get around that i think auntie? i can help you out there mate <laughs> I think I've got. A, I think I've got a plan for you, bud. Better t- tell you off air, though. Yeah, we'll talk. <laughs> well, Hunty, wherever you are, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, indeed, and, listeners, and and to our listeners, Merry Christmas. And I just hope that whether your Christmases are a bit harder, like they are for Hunty and his wife, or whether they're a bit easier, like they are for me, for my family, for us. I pray wherever you are that you'll have a good Christmas, and more than that, it won't be a lonely Christmas. And the reason I say that is because, yeah, you might be alone, but we're never alone, Hunty. That's it. I have spent a number of Christmases alone. I know what I'm talking about here. So I might remember those, yeah. those days for you. My own divorce a long time ago now, and I, I've spent Christmas Eves and Christmas Days by myself. Um, and it's, it's been a, it, it, it was a test. But the one thing I know is I was never alone, Hunty. I, I always, if you ask him, he, Jesus will come as your special guest. Yep. And at this time where everybody else is together, I think he'll give you comfort. Yep. Uh, and I think that you, my, my, you and me, Hunty, have been through that. Well, I remember road. when your only, your only guest for lunch on Christmas Day was Lucky. That was your dog. My dog. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Christmas Eve. Luckily, I'm not a guy who is desperate to be around people, probably because I've got people around me all the time. So it didn't bother me a whole lot. But I went into a place where I could see how it could bother so many people who are alone. Yeah. And I just want you to know that Jesus is with you 
no matter what. You know, I heard it just a horrifying statistic this morning as I was driving to the studio. Yep. 40 to 50% of all those precious oldies in the nursing homes do not get one visitor in 12 months, not even on Christmas. Yeah, it's very sad. That's almost half of them. I've seen that when I go in to see my dad. Really? Yeah, you see people sitting there, you know, in their chairs, no visitors, completely alone, <sighs> barely talking to anyone all day. It's, You know what? In, in, in many ways, we live in a very sad world. Yeah, we do. And Christmas sometimes is this glittery thing that just paints over all the sadness. Yep. And I think that's why it's really important that we as Christians look out for people who are alone, invite them around your place, Yes, auntie. yeah, great idea. Um, and the other thing is, um, if you are alone, as I already said today, remember, Jesus will come to you this Christmas, not just as Christmas, any time. Yep. But he'll come to you and he'll give you comfort. Hey, some news stories, mate. Okay. What we got? Let's move. This is the only time we're going to move off Christmas. Okay. Um, you see criminal charges are recommended for Trump. Yeah, I wondered about that. I thought, boy, I wonder if that timing of these criminal charges has anything to do with him just throwing his hat back in the ring. I don't know. I mean, they talked about uh, these charges uh, 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 two uh, uh, years ago when, when they had the riot at the, at the Capitol there. Justice does take time. That's true. Um I don't know what what we don't get too political on one side or the other on this program. We just report. <laughs> well, we try not to. We probably well, you know. I think we just report the news neutrally, yeah. really, yeah. on these sorts of things. Um, I think the danger is, and what we're seeing here again is the division of the United States of America, where you've got the right and the yeah. left, the conservative and the liberal, and the division is stark. The division is, mm, it, it, it's quite challenging. And as I've said before on this program, I think it is for Americans, as you see America dividing and dividing hard and getting behind walls and ready to fight, whether it be figuratively or literally, it is a danger to the American experiment. You know, they call America the American experiment. Yeah, they do. Because it's an experiment in freedom and democracy. Love the Americans. I think sometimes they may overrate um, themselves in the democratic process as the only ones. Uh, you've got England, who was doing it before the United States of America. And there's a lot of other democratic countries around the world other than the United States. Didn't, didn't you say last week that they were the first people to yep to do the to, jury to get a, a trial by jury of yep. their peers? Yeah, they've done many things, and they are the bastion of freedom. They are the leaders of freedom in the world today. Although there'd be a lot of people out there who'd argue that now, but I think it's dangerous when you've got a president running around and saying the election was rigged. Yes. It's even more dangerous when you see the division that's causing. And there is no doubt on the other side of the ledger, you've got the Democrats. And make no mistake, this one is the Democrats, the opposition party. It's, uh, I think it was six Democrats and two uh, avowed enemies of uh, um, um, Trump, President Trump, one of them Liz Cheney. And I mean, you're talking avowed enemies. So there was no friendly... Faces on that committee who has recommended charges doesn't mean there will be charges, but I think what you're looking at is an increasing, um, an increasing and, and influence of division in that nation, mm. and it's very concerning. The chasm's getting deeper and wider. Yeah, it's mm, very concerning. Mm, mm, mm. And then there's this one, Avatar, this movie that's come out that's going to break all box office records. Do you know that that movie goes for three and a half hours? <laughs> yeah, I did. I'm not sitting through any movie for three and a half hours. That's just not happening, The mate. previous one was, was pretty long, and it holds the world record at the moment for the highest box office haul. It was two hours 
45, I think, and this one's 315, is it, or 320? I thought it was three and a half. Is it three and a half? Okay. I, I, I can be corrected on that. I'm not going to go and see it. You know I'm not going to see it. No. Full of your cult. I know you will not go and see that. No, no. They, you can't drag me in there. You could not pay me to go and see it. I will not go and see that movie. Now, look, I come under a fair bit of... When, when I shared that on social media, come under a fair bit of pressure, auntie. People don't like it when I say that. I saw your social media post. What, what was the essence of that? What, what's, what's the problem with going to see the movie Avatar? Well, if you go to Deuteronomy 18, and there's a whole lot of other places in the Bible where God finds the occult, anything to do with spiritualism, detestable. detestable. Um, and Avatar is full of the occult. And I can give you examples. I mean, the, 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 and, and when I say the occult, I'm talking about uh, witches and yep. wizards and seances and possession and uh, magic and all this sort of stuff. And, and God finds that detestable because God too, as the occult is, God is supernatural. And he... God wants us to be with him, not with that other side. And and movies like Avatar, you know, when you see in Avatar the worship of the pagan gods, in one place there, the first movie, you see the possess, um, um, the witch getting possessed. You see the, the intermingling of, of human, well, I, I suppose the beings in Avatar aren't human, but whatever they are, and animals, their souls, these are all um, New Age uh, witch Drood, magic concepts and ideas, Hunty, and God finds it detestable. And I'm really happy that the movie's not doing as well as I thought it would. It's it's done it's done it's done a lot. It's it beat Tom Cruise's movie for its first weekend. They've taken four hundred and thirty, four hundred and fifty million. But it's um, not as much as they thought. They it were hoping between four fifty and five fifty. Yeah. So I'm, they, I'm glad it's down, <laughs> and I hope it keeps plummeting. They need they need to make a lot of money because they spend a lot of money on it. Uh, what I think it costs three hundred and fifty million to make or something. Yeah, then, then you add the hundreds of millions of dollars in advertising. It'll it'll need to make about two billion before it becomes really profitable. Wow! The last one made two point four or two point three. It, it will make that money too. I I've no doubt. Um, they they reckon that it'll have a really long. Well, it's it's first week shelf life was better than the first one, and the first one made over two billion. Mm. Hey, what were you saying to me the other day about? The writers and spirits influencing the writing of the movie. James Cameron, who wrote, directed and made the movie, I was listening to him, specifically him given give an interview, and he talked about, they asked him, where did the idea of Pandora come? Because that world Pandora, I mean, even I found it pretty, because I saw the first one, uh, walked out, but saw enough of it, the world is incredible, of Pandora. You go there and you go, wow. That's better than our world. Well, actually, I don't... Uh, I was talking to my daughter and she was saying the same thing. I said, well, actually, think about it. I don't think it is better than our world. Hmm. But kids were committing suicide. From the movie? From the movie. Really? Because they come out and they couldn't... They got depressed in our world. And yet, the reality is our world is more beautiful than Pandora. Hmm. But he got the he, he got the idea of Pandora and what it would be like from a series of visions. And then the script writers in Hollywood, and this is a known fact, many of them have what are called spirit guides who are in direct um, contact with the occult. And so it's the occult that is helping to to make and create and um, put these movies together. And people people listen to me say this stuff on social media, and they think I'm wacky. Am I wacky, hunty? No, not Am at all. Am I a weirdo? But I, have, but I have seen a lot of people going nuts on your Facebook post. Yeah, I'm not. I'm an ordinary Aussie bloke. I like. I used to like surfing. I used to like water skiing. Can't now. Too fat. 
<laughs> that's the aim to get to the point where I health wise where that doesn't happen. My health is getting better, by the way, Auntie. That's, that's good. Um, but um, I'm just an ordinary Aussie guy. I like cricket. I love watching the Aussies clean up the um, mm. um, who was the South Africans the other day in two days, and I thought the pitch at the Gabba was a belter, by the way. <laughs> but I. I I, I stand up when I see this stuff, yep. and people don't like it. And I'll point it out, and I'll say the occult is in that movie, and when you go there, you're saturating yourself in it. They don't like it. Well, And, and they'll say, oh, well, you're giving religion a bad name, or you're going to make other people go and want to watch it. Uh, look, I, I don't really care about all that stuff. If you want to watch it, you're not going to go and watch it because of anything I say. I've, but, I, but yeah, go. I'm I'm just, I've got a friend who has a past in Wicca, Wiccan, in spiritism and and the occult and Ouija boards and tarot card reading, I have a friend who comes from that background, and and their advice to anyone who will listen, who, and they have been um, grabbed and ensnared by this kind of stuff, they say at all costs go nowhere near it. Don't listen to it. Don't watch it. Don't let it in your house. Don't mm. give it any time of day. Yeah. And that's my person who's who's gotten away Look, from it. You're right. Um, we've been doing some stuff in the last few weeks on this program about their cult. Yep. Um, anyone who's been in it or seen it, like I have, and I've seen it with my eyes, front on, mate, been in the middle of it. Um, I was sharing with my church this week how when I was up in Papua New Guinea, the attacks of demons that I had mm. on myself personally, physically. Uh, again, I'm not some weirdo dude who's often conspiracy theories and all that. I'm quite the opposite to that, Hunty. Yep. But I've seen it. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to warn people. And look, you can go and watch that show if you want. You can go and watch that movie. But if you go and watch it, you better be aware you're going to be baptised, immersed. You're going to be saturated. You're going to be drowned in the occult because that's what it's all about. And if you watch the interviews with James Cameron, he acknowledges it. Mm. Is he into the occult or not? I don't know. But some weird stuff happening when he has dreams and visions and then makes that into a movie. Okay, last one, mate. Space-based solar power. I was going to open that one up to you. <laughs> Is that possible? Seriously? I keep coming to, to this program with all these wacky ideas of right. what we can do for electricity. Is it possible? I'll, I'll start with the, the good news about the, the solar space power. If you could put a bunch of solar panels out out of space, you would get a lot more sunlight because for starters you could put it in an orbit that always sees the sun and doesn't have any night time, which is great to have solar power day and night. Because there's no atmosphere, ionosphere, and there's no clouds and dust and pollution, the power of the sun's energy onto the solar panels is ten times more than you can get onto the solar panels here on Earth. However, and here's the big however, beaming electricity from space back to Earth is something they haven't figured out yet. Ah, so this is just a news story that's pie in the sky. Look, there's a lot of people spend hundreds of millions of dollars on it because it is a tremendous idea and invention, but I think the most they've managed to do is broadcast two kilowatts, 30 metres hey, with a did, microwave. Um, if they did that, wouldn't we have our guys cluttered more than they already are? Well, I mean, I go out to my farm right now and I've already got Elon Musk's yeah. satellites flying all over the place. Well, they, put, they would have to put this satellite so it could get constant sunlight. They'd have to put it out a fair way, which means if you looked up at the, in the, out of space with your eyes at night, it would look smaller than Elon Musk's satellites because it's further away. So you don't think it'll so it won't be it won't be more light pollution, um, 
but it's a lot of it is a lot of money to get stuff out to space. I know that the price of launching material into outer space has come down twenty fold over the last twenty years, but it's still very expensive. And they're talking about making a a one square kilometre solar farm in outer space. Well, that's great, but they still haven't figured out how to beam the power back. Some people say that gigawatts of power microwave back to it. It's not an antenna; it's a it's a collect antenna or whatever, they're saying that any bird would <laughs> fly past it would instantly... Or a, or a plane. Instantly microwave. <laughs> oh, well, I think we'll move on from that. Look, the, the, the thing is, I think, again, as we... And this is our last program from the year. We'll be, we'll be back next year, I think, the first Tuesday in February, aren't we? Um, hope um, so. Yeah, yeah. God willing. Um, you know, when you see the President of the United States, ex-President, coming up on criminal charges or potentially... When you see the occult saturating our culture, something the Bible said would happen in the last days, and you see these marvellous, incredible advances in technology, all these things the Bible talks about, I think we can look up. It does. We can look to the east and we can say Jesus is coming soon. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. You know, honey, I think this is my favourite... Christmas song, yeah, of all of them, I get to choose a lot of the time. The you Christmas choose songs. all the music. No, I've not, been banned. Not yeah, on this show, but not at church. <laughs> hey, hey, by the way, we've yeah. got a special Christmas program this Sabbath. We at have our church. an absolutely awesome Christmas program yeah. this this Saturday. It's this a, Sabbath, eleven o'clock. Yep, it's being led by our really. I love our worship team. Yeah, our A team and our kids. And A team, there we, we don't have we, a B team. No, we have our, three or four A teams. <laughs> I t- t- actually, the reality is that those who do our worship a lot of the time, they're away this week. Yes. So it's a lot of people that we don't know. But the, I saw the practice and it was wonderful. Yeah, I was at the practice. And yeah, of course you were. You're the sound man. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're doing nothing and you're in northwest Sydney this Saturday at 11 o'clock, what's the address, Hunty? Two, Samuel Place, Quakers Hill. It's just uh, behind Quakersville Parkway. Is it two Parkway. or is it four? It's two and four. If you, you, it's a big block, and it's behind the Aldi, just off Quakers Hill Parkway. Because you keep saying two, and I was thinking the other day, I reckon it's four, and I looked it up and it said four, but you're saying it's... If you, if you Google it... It's two, two, four, is no, it? No, if you Google it, sometimes it says two, sometimes it says four, but it's a giant big Anglican church, the Life Anglican Centre, behind the BP and the LDF Quakers Hill Parkway. And if you come this Saturday, not only will you get fabulous Christian carol singing and beautiful music, but stay for lunch because we're putting on a banquet for all those that come for free. You don't have to bring anything. Come to our church this Saturday for a beautiful, uplifting, Christmassy carol singing program and lunch. And I reckon wherever you go in Australia this Saturday... Any church in any place, and there's Adventist churches, there's Sabbath keeping churches all over the country. Yep. You're going to probably get a Christmas program. Absolutely. Adventists love Christmas, don't we? Yeah, and you'll get carols and yeah. you'll get a nicely Christmas and themed. One of the songs we're singing this week is this one, which I reckon is my favourite from the Hayes family. Uh, it's a beautiful song, and Gaith is back in this. Yes. Angels We Have Heard on High. Oh 
We're going to be singing that song this uh, Sabbath at New Hope, I can tell you. Yes. And I'm looking forward to it very much. Beautiful song, that one. Harold Harker, have we got you on the phone? Yes, we are here. Merry Christmas to you, my friend. And Merry Christmas. Happy one to you. Are you um, with family this Christmas or just you and your wife or how will that unfold for you? When you have married children, you have to share Christmas with the other parents. That's and right. So we've just had ours, but they, Christmas, the other grandparents will have it. But we have had a great Christmas time together. So you just be you and your wife this Christmas? Uh, actually, we're going out with a few other friends who are having Christmas ah. uh, lunch together. So when you retire, you can ham it up with your friends, I suppose, uh, come Christmas yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're gonna. I want to thank you again for all the stories you've told us this year, and I hope and pray next year we'll, we'll be able to have a lot more. We're going to look today at a very famous song. In fact, even before we start, I'm going to ask Hunty a question. What song do you reckon is the most famous, Hunty, of all the Christmas carols? Oh, could it be the Hallelujah Chorus in Handel's Messiah? Yeah, I suppose that this is open for. What do you reckon, Harold? Well, that's been going. That's been going for like four hundred years. What, what do you think is the most famous of all the Christmas songs? Well, you've got a lot of carols. If you go for that area, you've got the first Noel, but probably the best known one everywhere, Silent Night. So let's talk about that song because this song has history, doesn't it? It, it sure does. It's quite it's a, about Christmas. It is about where, where? Where was the song Silent Night composed? Well, it was composed in the village of Oberndorf in Switzerland. Ah, okay, my, my the, the 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 home of my grandparents. Um, That's right. So it's a Swiss song. Um, what year was it composed, and who composed it? Well, the the priest, the young priest of the Saint Nicholas Church in Oberndorf, his name was Joseph Moir, and he was thinking I should compose a new song. And he took a walk over the, looking over the snowy village. Can you imagine a snow scene with all the quietness? And he got that inspiration. And there, in 1816, he put these words together that we now know as Silent Night. Okay, so it's a Swiss song put together by a priest. You said, what, 1816? Yes, but he'd composed it and that was it. Nothing happened. For a couple of years. Um, actually, just before you go on there, it is true that when you go for a walk in the snow, it is very quiet. It is quiet. Yeah, I don't know whether I the snow... I wonder started it with silent night, you know, that was yeah. the silence of the snow. I don't know whether it insulates it or what, but <laughs> anyway. So who wrote the words and who wrote the melody? Did this priest, did he write them both? He wrote the words and composed this song... But the melody, he, an emergency came up. Let me talk about this emergency. Yep. You know, they were to have the big Christmas program in the village church. This was the big day of the year, and their organ was broken. Oh. And so he talked to the choir conductor, and he said, Look, I wrote this song a couple of years ago. Um, you're still there, Harold, or we lost you? I think we've lost him. That's, welcome. Not, that's not a good thing, is it? Uh, listeners, welcome to... Music. Lo- 
Wait there, wait there. Harold? The priest had done. You might need to go back. We lost you there for a moment. We lost you for a few seconds. We were in the church. The organ had been broken, and you're now going to share from there again. Sorry, mate. Right. He was... uh, The priest, Joseph Moir, had written the words. Yep. And this day for Christmas, the organ was broken, and the choir conductor said, look, I can play a guitar, and he put the music... The words that the priest had written, so we have the words and the song that came about in 1816 at Christmas time. So the first time it would have really been sung with a congregation would have been that Christmas in that little Swiss village. It was the first time it was sung. And it would have been, we would call it a special item. It was something new, it was something special, and it was all about Christmas. And it is a great song, and I've always liked, actually it's one of the first songs I learnt on the piano. But um, I can still play it. Can't play a lot, but I can still play Silent Night. Um, I might play it on Christmas Day just to bring (laughs) (laughs) Uh, bring the spirit of Christmas. I'd probably get... Chased out of the house by my family, actually. How did this song become famous? Well, there was an organ guy there. He was to repair the organ. And when he heard this song, he said, Hey, that's a good, that's a good tune. It's great words. And he picked up the words and the music and he took it home with him. And others began to sing it right across Europe after that and it became world famous. And it's really, it went right, it didn't just go across Europe, it ended up going right across the world because, I mean, this Sabbath in New Hope, we'll be singing, one of the songs we're singing is Silent Night. That's it, yep. How many languages was it translated into? It's been translated into 300 languages. Can you imagine that? This is a worldwide Christmas carol. Yeah, it is, from such humble beginnings. Hey, the story in World War One. tell me about that in Silent Night. Well, 1914, World War I had started, and it was Christmas Eve, and they somehow called a truce, and then someone began singing Silent Night, and the troops of the French and the German and the English, they all sang this song in their languages together on the, in the trenches in Christmas Eve, 1914. And so the bullets and the bombs and the cannons... And the roar of the biplane stopped as they sang Silent Night together in the different... That must have been beautiful, listening to that in the different languages. Wouldn't it be great if the peace that Jesus gives would just flood the world? It, it would be wonderful. It would be wonderful. Now, this, this song, the story of the song, was forgotten for a fair while. Is that right? Yes, they didn't know who had actually written it. But then, in 1994, the original manuscript was found in the priest's handwriting and Gruber, the uh, pri- the, the uh, choir conductor, was named as the composer and so they've got the original manuscript and they know that's where it started. It's amazing, isn't it, to think that, that this famous song that, I mean, I'm 59 and I've been singing this song every Christmas, that we, until 1994, we, we lost the story of it. Um. How, what what do you think, um, for you today, what does this song mean? Well, it tells you the story of the birth of Jesus and how the angels sang it, and this is the message for all the world. You know, we talk about Christmas, and a lot of people just put an Xmas and 
Jesus Christ has been cut out and we talk about Santas and reindeers mm, and mm. carrots and everything else, but if we put Christ in the centre of it and of our lives, it will change everything. I agree with that. In fact, I'll tell you how much I agree with this, Harold. Everybody in my area puts up Christmas decorations. They've got pictures, they've got lights, and it's beautiful, actually. And you can drive around, it's quite something. In my window, there's just one tiny little display that my wife put up, and it's a display of the nativity. That's it. Amen. It's a nativity, and with it, next to it is a Christmas tree, but we've got no lights in the Christmas tree. So when you're looking at the house, all you can see is this tiny little beautiful, it'd be about a metre by a metre, display of nativity and you know i put that there because i want people to know that on that silent night jesus was born and that's what christmas means to me and that birth of jesus gives salvation as an opportunity to every person on earth it gives us hope well thank you harold and a merry christmas to you and i think uh to see you out for the year and to see this little segment out we actually might listen to andre rue he's not swiss he is Austrian, but it's not far away, is it? That's right. Let's the listen. Yeah, let's listen to Andre Rue, his orchestra, and some beautiful singers sing this very special song, Silent Night.
hauntingly beautiful song and that is what christmas is all about it's about jesus it really is Mm -hmm. it's about jesus who came down to this earth to save us and i think if we can get a sense of that this christmas then it'll be something very special for us silent night thank you god for inspiring this beautiful song you're listening to the aussie pastor here on faith fm Well, Hunty, it really is a, a Christmas, Christmassy program, isn't it? It is a ripper. We made it like this. Have you ever been to Salt Lake City in Utah? Yes, I have. Did you ever go to the Mormon, Mormon Tabernacle? Tabernacle? Fire, yeah. No, did you ever go to the Mormon? I did. Can ordinary Aussies who aren't Mormons get into that? I don't know. I was with a friend who does sound for their concerts who got me in. Okay, I wonder whether ordinary people can... Maybe one of our viewers can tell us that. Mm-hmm. If you know the answer ah, viewers, to that... listeners. <laughs> viewers, yeah, listeners. I'm back in TV. Back We've in been TV doing land. a lot of TV lately. We have. Uh, by the way, while I'm, now this is completely out of the blue, but yes. while I'm on this, we just started a new outreach program. Yeah, we did. That you may not... When I say outreach, it's a program about Jesus yep. and the conditions of our world, where we're headed and how Jesus can help you on Facebook. It's, it's like, called Surviving... Chaos. It's 8 o'clock every Friday night. And if you go to our Aussie Pastor Facebook page, it's pretty easy to find. Go into Facebook, Aussie Pastor. If you go to YouTube, Aussie again, Pastor again. Aussie Pastor at YouTube, yeah. 8 o'clock Friday night, you can watch it. It's only one program old. And which, it's, which, you can, which you can rewind and get to. It's still, it's still up. Yeah, yeah. So, so if, if you haven't seen it, if yeah. you haven't seen it, if you go to Facebook Definitely or YouTube. Definitely watch program one first. Yeah, 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 you can see it. But anyway, um, let's have another song, Hunty. It is Christmas. Yes. Christmas is, I mean, when, if you come to our church on Sabbath, to our Christmas program, it is all about the carols. We've got the young people, the kids, the young people, and some of the oldies, Hunty, getting up and reading the story directly from the scripture. I think you're going to do that today. Did, yeah, well, did you know that we've got a huge life-size nativity scene set up at our church? And we never said it. It up either. No, that's our friends, the Anglicans, who own the church. And do you know why they did that? No, this not might really. surprise you. Yeah, um, I was talking to the senior pastor, lovely man, Pastor Jeff. Yep, and he said, you know, a lot of families go to the mall, shopping centre, and they get a photo with Santa. He said that we set up this life-size nativity, so and we put photo. seats. Yeah, so families can come and sit around the nativity and get a photo, mm. and they can have that as their Christmas theme rather than Santa. Mm. So if you want to come with your family and get a photo around the nativity scene, that's what it's there for. You know, I reckon I was six years old before I realised Santa didn't exist. Only six? Yeah, is that pretty young, is oh, it? No, I don't think I believed a bit longer than that. <laughs> I remember my dad was... I, I, I was brought up in a tiny little village called Wandandi in south of Sydney, and there was a school, and we used to have... We used to have a Christmas night for the community in the school, and I didn't realise it, but my dad was Santa. <laughs> he comes in dressed as Santa of all the presents. High excitement! I got my present was one of the first because G, you know, G for Grolleman's pretty early in the uh-huh. in the list. I then go outside fully expecting to find <laughs> the reindeers, and I can still remember the confusion I felt when I walked outside and there were no reindeers. And I never picked up until my dad told me many years later that he was even Santa. So there you go. The there Santa go. Claus thing was strong in my mind. But for me now, it's not Santa. It's about Jesus. And this yep. song, uh, another really, really nice Christmas carol from the Mormon Tabernacle Choir in Utah. Now, a lot of things I don't agree with about my friends, the Mormons. I love them, though. I always, when they come to my door, I'm always polite, always invite them in, hunty. Good but on one you. thing you've got to concede and give them. They have one of, if not the best, choirs yes. in the world. That's true. 
and you listen to their music, it is of the highest degree of professionalism and beauty. And this beautiful song, I Come All You Faithful by the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, I think you're going to enjoy it. Oh, come on. 
show, Hunty, whether you can get in and hear a Christmas <laughs> concert from um, that, that beautiful choir and, and band and orchestra. But if you could, and maybe you could, I would love to go and listen to it one day because they truly are magnificent. I think they do Handel's Messiah too, don't they? Oh, that would be awesome. That's my favourite piece of music on the planet. Have you been to Handel's Messiah at Christmas All over at the, the Opera world. House? All over the world. But they do it at the Opera House every Christmas, Ta- apparently. Uh, Town Hall. I think they do it at the Opera House too, don't they? Uh, well, maybe that's new, but I know they do it in the Town Hall because my parents used to sing in it. I used to play my trumpet in it. Oh. Uh, in fact, have you looked at it? one of our cheeky listeners, Lil? Well, what's she saying? She's not Go happy. on, hunty. Tell Lloyd what a fabulous version of this song it is. Well, that is, and I loved it. What, what, what? Um, Lil, she's uh, one of our um, one she, of our faithful listeners. Is she listeners. saying she likes the song? Or she's she winding me up. <laughs> what, saying she likes it or she doesn't? Because that she, girl, I, she's more than one of our listeners. She goes to our church. Yes. And she's into, she likes her contemporary music. And I like my <laughs> hymns. So we have a clash. And we she love thinks, each she other. She thinks I love contemporary music only, ah, which so is so mostly she, true, but I do love... So, Lily, are you telling Hunty to wind me up? I'm just trying to work <laughs> out what she's doing here. Hey, Hunty, this yes. next section is a little testimony from a girl called Kim who I think, and I think I'm getting this right, is a Cambodian. And what happens is she gets a special gift through the Samaritans, I think it is. Samaritans Purse. Who's a bit like Adra, our... Um, Adventist Development Relief Agency who helps people in poorer countries. And through this gift, she found Jesus. I think you're going to find this really interesting. When I first watched it, it made me teary. Now, bear in mind, this testimony is made for television, not radio. Yes. So I listened to it very so carefully. You will hear to, a few sound effects. Yeah, and I listened to it very carefully to make sure that if I was listening to it on radio, I'd understand. I think you can. She's a beautiful young woman. She's married with kids. But her story on how she found Jesus over Christmas is beautiful. My name is Kim. I am originally from Cambodia. Cambodia is one of a very, very poor countries. People living less than a dollar for a day. My family live in a small village in Batambong province and we don't have enough food to eat. So I had to go to the farm to help my parents digging the ground. So it's very, very difficult. One day I just walked past by the, by the pastor's house back from school. So um, the pastor just gave me the invitation to join the Christmas program and they tell me they have something for us. And then they say, also they have food. So I would love to come because of food. So when I came to the Christmas celebration, they were singing, they were worshipping, they were praying, they were talking about God and Jesus. At the end of service, they hand us a box and we open it. They have a jam rope. I also receive a book and also some color pen. I saw this the booklet called The Greater Gift. So I saw that it was so interesting because they have a story in there and they have the color, they have a picture and I read it over and over and in that booklet will tell about God, Jesus Christ and God will die on the cross for us and I not just read it to myself, I also read it to my brother. He want me to read to him every evening. After I received the shoe box, I keep asking myself, where the box come from? 
Who packed the shoebox? Why they gave it to me? And I'm just a poor kid. So I went back to church. I asked the pastor where the shoebox come from and what is about Jesus Christ. What is God? And he said, if you want to know more, you can read the Bible. So he gave me the Bible to read. So I come to church about two or three months, come to church regular. I received a good thing too. They tell me to go to a youth camp. So when I went to youth camp, I was just how so amazed. When we worshiping, we pray in the early morning, and I would like get goosebumps all the time when I would go to the big uh, worship. So I was like crying. So then at the end of the service, pastor was preaching about God and he asking who want to give their life to God. I just go in front there and near my knee and I say, God, I give my life to you. I give my life to you. Sometimes when I at home, sitting there with my kids, with my husband, I was asking myself, if it would not be that shoebox, I would not be here. Just every single day, thank God for all His blessing. You probably didn't pick that up in the interview, Hunty, but mm. from beginning to end, I feel emotional myself. Yeah, me too. She's crying. All the way through yeah, I that. Could, I could hear it. Because she gets this Samaritan purse shoebox, which is a shoebox full of gifts yep. from overseas sent by the Samaritan. Who is it? Samaritan? It's an organisation and charity called Samaritan's Purse. Yeah, and they send these gifts to these kids yep. in these poor countries and this beautiful little book about Jesus. was. In. She found Christ through this book. Yeah. Through Christmas. Yeah. And it just goes to show that it is a beautiful... As good as Christmas is and as good as getting all the presents are, hunty, and I think we all enjoy that. I'm looking forward to my... Usually I get from my kids a a set of socks. (laughs) That's it, socks. Socks, socks. And I need them too. But you know, the greatest gift we can give anybody at Christmas is Jesus. And whoever sent that shoebox to her changed the life of that little girl in Cambodia. It changed the life of her husband, of her kids. It it changed everything and that's what i keep saying it that's what christmas is about it's not about the presents and the gifts it's about jesus and she got the greatest gift of all that christmas long ago that little cambodian girl and that was jesus and what a beautiful beautiful thing it is and no wonder she was crying for joy you're listening to the aussie pastor here on faith fm Hey, Hunter, you know how I said that last song in Excelsis Deo was my favourite Christmas song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't think it is. <laughs> I think it's this one. It came up. Oh, again, um, this is going to be sung at our church nice. this Saturday in our special Christmas program. It starts at 11, and it's a beautiful song. And, and when you sing it in church, you know what? I'm starting to feel like it's Christmas for the first time, right? As we do this program, Hunty, it's yeah. Christmas. Yep. Hallelujah, praise God. And this is one of the most beautiful carols ever. It came upon a midnight clear. And you know who's singing it? I do. I'm, sing- I'm staring at the track. It's by Frank Sinatra. Another one of those old crooners from your day, Cranky mate. Frankie. 
What was that? What they call him in the end? Yeah. Was he a bit cranky? Was he? I don't know. That's what they called him. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. you know, because as I keep telling our listeners, these guys, these singers are from Hunties. Don't they? <laughs> I mean, he grew <laughs> yes, up yes. with these guys. Yes, yes, so. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful song that came upon a midnight clear from Frank Sinatra. <laughs> He does okay, doesn't he? Beautiful voice. That's Frank Sinatra. I reckon when those boys were alive, and I think most of them died not long after in reality we came to the world, Hunty. Yep. I, I don't know when they passed away, but I can't remember them ever. And if I can't remember them, I don't think you would live. We, Of course, we've come across them through the years, but, yep. oh, man, they sing so beautifully. And they, they evoke the feeling of Christmas. I've been saying this whole program that Christmas is about Jesus. And it would be amazing how many Aussies really don't know the whole story, Auntie. We got a snapshot of it when we started the program with the kids. Yeah. But I want to do something today that we don't normally do. I want to get you, Hunty, and put them under pressure. Uh oh. <laughs> I'm going to get Hunty to read the story. So sit back and relax. Well, that's of course <laughs> if you're not driving. That's right. <laughs> um, 
listen to the story because this is, without doubt, the greatest story ever told. You ready, Hunty? This first one? Yeah. yeah. Well, you better tell them where you are. I will. Tell them where you are. If I could remember. Tell them where you are in Scripture. We're going to start in Luke chapter... Haven't you got it written down, bro? No. I actually copied and pasted all the text I needed in my run sheet. And you, you're going from Luke chapter 1, verse 1 Thank to 20. You. Lovely. Okay. Are you with that? Got that. Do you know where you're going to do the second story from? I've got a break here, so. Do you know where that is? It's Matthew chapter 2, 1 to 12. So this is coming from Luke chapter 1, and if you want to read it later, go and do it. Matthew chapter 2. Can I say this, Hunty, before yes. you start? Yes. When I was growing up, every Christmas... Our family would get together. It would be my grandmother. It would be my immediate family, mum, dad, and the four boys. And it would be my auntie, Dossie, and my uncle, Al. That was Christmas for us, year after year after year. My uncle, Al, passed away years ago. He would read these passages of Scripture every Christmas day before we ate. I guess he took that upon himself because he was the oldest. And we'd all sit down. And we listen to the story of Christmas. So I want you to imagine that you're my place. Okay. You can smell the gluten steaks. Most of you wouldn't have a clue what they are. You're smelling his vegetable. Fake, fake, <laughs> fake steaks. The um, I know our meals: mashed potato, fake steaks, and gravy, veggies, cake, desserts, um, ice cream. Oh man. <laughs> so time. we would sit down, you would be smelling this food, you would know this great feast is about to happen. The The table's already loaded, and we would sit down, and Uncle Al would read us this. Just imagine you're in that scene. Hunty, Uncle mm. Al, mm-hmm. read away. Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I have also decided to write an accurate account for you, most honourable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. So this is the birth of John the Baptist. Here we go. Hunty. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You've been given the wrong passage of scripture. Oh. Well, I learned <laughs> it's, it. It's Luke chapter 2, verses oh. 1. Okay, you're with me? Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through to 20. So, Hunty's in a bit of a panic here. <laughs> no, not a panic. Welcome it's to live, live radio. radio. Well, it's a what, shame. What, what you got there? It's a shame that I learnt that passage. You read all the hard words and looked them up. Well, oh, that's okay. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through to 20. We'll do a post-mortem after this show on that. And I think I'll take... Uh, responsibility for that right now. You're going to own I'll, that one, eh? I'd lo- love to own that one. Um, <laughs> so you're going to go from Luke chapter 2. Let's start again, Hunty. Right, Have you got it, mate? Let me pick a version. Let's go to say NLT. Yeah, NLT is right. easy. You can go NLT, CV, NIV, any of them are easy. NLT. So it's Luke chapter 2. Now I'm reading Now I'm reading text that I haven't pre You'll be right, mate. And words that I haven't pre You're your words. Well, you're well educated. You're oh, ready to dear. go? All right, the birth of Jesus. Yep. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home, 
He travelled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Saviour, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognise him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. Ooh, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. You okay, Hunter, yeah, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 2 now, all right. because that's not the end of the story. It's a great story, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it I is. really, really, really enjoy this one. You ready, mate? We stay in the NLT? Yeah, we'll stay in Matthew. Okay, NLT. 2 verse what? Uh, let's go what we said, 2 verse 1 through to 12. All right, I got it. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. As was everyone in Jerusalem, he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not least among the ruling cities of Judea, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called, for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them that the time when the first star—sorry, he learned from them the time when the first star appeared. Then he told them, "Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me, so I can go and worship him too." After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country 
by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So there you have it, hunty. Yeah. That's the story of Jesus' birth. Yeah. Good they didn't go back and tell Herod where he was. Let me encapsulate. Yeah, well, Herod went on and killed all the kids in Bethlehem because he was after this upstart um, prince that he thought was going to take his kingdom over. Herod never got it, and nor did the Pharisees and many of the Jews. They never got it. Jesus wasn't coming to set Israel up as a great kingdom. He was coming to save the world. Hunter, you've got your hand up. I, I just wondered if our listeners would like to know what gold, frankincense and myrrh is. We were going to go into that, but we? go, let's, let's no. Have, nope, I'm, no. I'm very interested. What are they? Well, well we know what gold, you know what gold is. is. It's yep. very valuable. Frankincense and myrrh are very precious oils. Um, they're collected from the sap of, of some very ancient balsa, I think balsa wood type trees, and it's very, very expensive to collect frankincense and myrrh. It has a lot of good health properties. And in fact, the Egyptians used to use the frankincense oil after it was burnt to give them that dark black eyeshadow. Do so you, basically it's essential oils, but very precious Do you and know why expensive. they were given them? Because it's actually prophetic. I did not know why. Hmm. Have you ever thought of that? Why gold? Why frankincense? And why myrrh? I actually, someone's asked that in one of the questions coming up on after the end of this Bible study. Yeah. Why they went there and what they brought. But so tell us now. The gold, I guess, so that Joseph and Mary could have something behind them. This, this is God-inspired, these gifts. When they moved to Egypt, which they did fairly quickly under duress because Herod was after Jesus to kill him, Yep. the frankincense and myrrh are usually perfumes and incenses that they use to bathe the body yes, after embalming. death. Yeah, embalming and it's seen as a prophetic... Um, snapshot of where Jesus would go and what Jesus would do. So I wouldn't bet on that, but it sounds good and it sounds feasible and fair enough. But it was rare and it was expensive. So you've got Jesus here. His father and mother go back to Bethlehem. Why? Because of the census that the Romans had told everyone to fill out. Jesus is born in Bethlehem in a stable. Yep. He is visited by shepherds who are told by an angel in the field. So he's visited by the humble and then he's visited by wise men who came from the east. We're not sure where they come from, but they're the powerful and the rich. And they all come, and the thing I like about this story is they all come in, they all bow down, and they worship Jesus. So those who don't think Jesus is God need to relook at this story. Because central to the story is the fact that they came in, they saw the baby in the crib and bowed down and worshipped him. And if I'd been there in those days, I would have done the same thing. Hmm. I would have bowed down, I would have worshipped God. Because in that cradle was God. Amazing story. Hey, Hunter, you've got some questions. I do. That you've put together, and I want to hear these questions. I want to answer them because I think they're important questions, and I think they help to open the story up a little more. Yeah, for certain. Um, Question one. Was Jesus really born at Christmas time? What do you reckon? I know the answer to this, and he definitely wasn't. Well, I wouldn't say definitely. Oh, I that know. makes me feel good. <laughs> I wouldn't say definitely. We are not absolutely sure when Jesus was born, but he was probably not born at Christmas. I can give proof. Oh, I'm listening. Well, the Bible text said that a census was called. Mm-hmm. and everyone had to go back to their ancestral birthplace for the mm-hmm. census. Mm-hmm. 
Christmas time in the Middle East can be cold and snowy and icy. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine any ruler would demand everyone trek through the snow and ice for a census. That's not proof. Oh, circumstantial evidence? It's good circumstantial <laughs> evidence, actually. I'd call it very strong circumstantial good. evidence. Thank you. Um, this census, they actually had months to fill it out because it wasn't like today where you get on a train or a plane or a car, no. go back and fill the form out at home and then go back to where you, where you, where you, wherever you live. Yep. They had to travel many, many k's, miles, to get from where they were to their hometown. Hundreds of thousands of Jews all over Israel had to do this. And so I think you're, you're on a good track there. Probably Jesus was born in the summer. Why? Well, probably because that's when they would travel. They fought their wars. They traveled. They did all their action in the summer. They pulled back in the winter. Yep. Um, it's not that the winters in Israel are horrendously cold. I suppose they'd be similar hunting to what we have here. It's, it snows, doesn't it? It does, but not much. I was in um, Bagman. Where was I? I was somewhere in the desert. And my friend said to me, you want to go snow skiing? And I was completely shocked that they had snow. You know, Israel doesn't have a lot of snow. They have snow on Mount Hermon, but there's not a lot of snow. Look, sometimes it'll snow in Jerusalem, but not a lot. Well, I was in Beirut in Lebanon, which is not far away, and there's a lot of snow. Up in the mountains, yes, but not down on the beach, there's not. True. Yeah. Um, And and, uh, so it will snow in Israel, but not a whole lot. It's, It's similar Sydney weather. Um, but I think you're probably right. So Jesus probably born around September, mm-hmm. uh, m- maybe July, August, August September. Yeah, August, September. I like yeah. to say September because that's when I was born. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think it matters. And people say, well, if he wasn't born on Christmas Day, what on earth do you why, – why are you celebrating? Well, that's question two. Yeah. If he was not born at Christmas time, is it wrong to celebrate his birth on Christmas Day? Well, here's an interesting question for you, Hunty, Uh-oh. and you might want to Google it for me. Okay. When was Queen Elizabeth II born? Oh, yeah, not on the day we celebrate. Do, do you know when she was born? No, I'm not going to quickly Google it. Yeah, you Google that for me. Tell okay. me when Queen Elizabeth II, or if you want to, if you want to be more t- contemporary, King Charles. Because I guess we're going to have uh, not Queen's birthday weekend, it's going to be King's birthday weekend for the first time in history this coming year. Oh, and yeah. that that is in June. So we'll have the long... Uh, what would they call it? The long weekend. Oh, Queen's birthday weekend. Yeah, Queen's birthday long weekend. It'll be King's birthday long weekend. So when is when, when, when was King Charles or Queen Elizabeth? I don't care which one you got, Hunty. When were they actually born? Well, would you believe? Yep. That just as I went to Google it, my browser crashed. Anyway, it's back up. Twenty first oh. of April, nineteen twenty six. That's when Queen Elizabeth II was born, mm. and yet we celebrate her birthday in June. What we're doing? Why do we do that? What, what's the point? I have no idea. Well, we're remembering the Queen. But why we do it on the wrong day? Well, because we have kings and we have queens and they change, as we've just seen. Oh, so it's the Queen's about to matter who the Queen is. That's right. Okay. And, and we're going to have the Queen, and it's about to become the King's birthday. Right. So okay. it doesn't matter when Jesus was born. I'll tell you what matters, Hunty. This is one of the few times that a secular world will stop and look at Jesus. And if they're going to stop and they're going to look at Jesus... I'm going to celebrate Christmas because I can get people to look at Jesus. Yeah. And I think that's a powerful thing. So was he born on December 25? Probably not. Who cares? All right, question. Cele- but before you go, yep. celebrate it. Yeah, why not? Celebrate it. Remember what Jesus did when he came as a baby. Celebrate it. Enjoy it. Give gifts. If you can get with family, get together and eat. 
If you can make it a joyful time, make it a joyful time because this is a time when we can remember. I'd like to, and I do, that's one of the great things about being a Sabbath keeper. Every Sabbath we remember what Jesus did for us. But Christmas is a special time. The whole world's going to join us, remember and celebrate the birth of Jesus, even if he wasn't born on that date. Question three. Yep. Did the Bible predict Jesus would be born in Bethlehem? Yes. Where? Yes. can you get to the Bible there where you are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to Micah chapter 5, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. You've got this incredible, I don't mind what version, hunty. Okay. You've got this incredible little Bible prophecy that predicts exactly where Jesus will be born. Have you got that? Not Micah, Micah chapter 5, it's at the end of the Old Testament, verse 2. And he, there's a number of predictions, but this is one absolute ripper. All right, verse 2. Yep. But you, Bethlehem and Ephratah, thought you are small among the clans of Judah. Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Yeah. Um, read that in the New King James. I'd rather yep. hear, if you yeah. can, yeah, is that yeah, a big yeah. deal no, for no, you no, or no, not? No, that's easy. Because I like, I like that version better. It says the same thing, but I think the New King James says it even a bit more clearly and a bit more powerfully. All righty. Now, New remember, King this is a prophecy about Jesus, and I'll prove that in a second. But you, Beth- Bethlehem, Ephratah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. There's going to be one come out of Bethlehem, Ephratah, which is like saying Riverston, Sydney. Sydney, yep. Yep. There's going to be one who's going to come from there. He is going to be the ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from old, from everlasting. He has always been. Who's that? It's Jesus. Yep. So yes, the Bible does. Let's. We better move pretty quick, okay. mate. We're running out of time. Yeah, we've only got a few minutes left. Yep. All right, question four. Um, why was Jesus born in Bethlehem? We did that. Did we? No. No. Why was Jesus born in Bethlehem? Because the Bible said he would be. It's the city of David. It's where David was born. He is of the lineage of David. It was important that he was born in the same place as David because that's what the Bible predicted as we just looked at. So there's a short answer to that because the Bible predicted that's where he'd be. If Jesus had been born anywhere else, then he couldn't have been Jesus because the Bible over and over predicted he'd be born in Bethlehem, and he was born in Bethlehem. This next question is a bit harder. What does it mean Jesus was born of a virgin? Oh, that's easy. It means that his mother never had any marital sexual relations she just got pregnant with Jesus. Well, that defies that defies science and biology. Yeah, it does. But it's what the Bible says happened. So the Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon Mary. Miraculously, we don't know how it happened. Jesus stepped down off the throne in heaven. Yep. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary, worked a miracle, yep. and she's pregnant with this little baby who developed in the womb. But this baby was different. He was human, but he was also divine. He was a merging of the two. I love this. So when we go to heaven one day, soon, and Jesus is there to greet us, and he sits on the throne, and he's the king of the kings, he's human, hunty. You get that? He became human to save us. He's also divine. That's why when the shepherds, that's why when the wise men walked in, they fell on their knees and they worshipped him. He was human, but he's also divine. And Jesus, the Bible gives you no, it gives you no choices on that. Either you accept Jesus as divine or you don't, it's God himself, or you don't accept Jesus at all. Yep. Um, and I think because of that side of his divinity, he couldn't be born of a human father. So that was the next question. Why mm. is it important that Jesus be born of a virgin? Because he was divine. Okay. He's not like you and me. He is and he's not. 
And so his father is God. His mother is Mary, a human. He is a merging of the two. Is that in the prophecy the, as well? The of the yeah, many yeah, many prophecies on born that. of a virgin. Yep. Yeah. Okay. What does it mean? Jesus was born in a manger. Um, it means he was actually. We have a sanitized version of this. Most people who have studied this story know it. He was born in a smelly, dirty old Bar. animal house. Mm, mm. There was nothing romantic about this. Mm. Probably mud on the floor, churned up by the animals in the water mm -hmm. that you give them, you know, yep. um, to drink. Um, stink. There mm -hmm. wouldn't have been pigs there because the Jews aren't into pigs, but there would have been everything else. Yeah, cows, horses, donkeys, sheep, and they're in they're, they're in this manger, and Jesus goes there, and here you got the King of the Kings, born the most humble of births. Mm, true. In fact, I don't know anyone here in Australia who was born as humble a birth as him, born in an animal shed. Mm. Um, probably the manger, his cot, probably in something like a water trough. My, my first born was almost born in the car on the way to a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, even then, he would have been born in a better place than Jesus was. Yeah, Jesus true. started in the true. most humble, dirty, smelly of places. All right, let me move on. Why did Jesus come to the world? Oh, to save it. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, I think it's verse 21, says that very clearly. Jesus came to the world to save it. He never came up to set Jerusalem up as the capital and Israel as the most powerful nation on the planet. He came to save it, to save you and me. And he does that. When you go to him and you ask him to take your sins, he takes them and he takes them to the cross and he pays the penalty for them. You are saved. He come to save it, to save you. He came for you. Is there any significance in the shepherds and the wise men coming to visit Jesus? Yeah. I think you've got the poor and the rich, like I said before. Oh, yeah. That's an example of the, I think, the kaleidoscope of humanity from one end to the other. Mm -hmm. The poor, the rich, the in-between. Anyone can come to Jesus. And so you've got the shepherds who are very poor. Angel comes to them, tells them the Saviour's born. They rush to Jesus and worship him. These wise men from the east, who knows where they came from? Some say from Africa, some say from Arabia. Who knows? Doesn't doesn't tell us. Was there three? The Bible doesn't say that either. It just says there are three gifts. I reckon there was more than three. Could have been a dozen. Yep. They turn up from the east. They're the wealthiest of the wealthy. But again, as I've been saying, the one thing consistently that all of them did is they worshipped him. All righty. Last question, and you've got just over 60 seconds. What Hunty's does... worried about the time. I'm the on. hand breaks, pull up the lever again. <laughs> <laughs> what does Jesus' birth mean to you? It means I've got hope. It means I've got hope. I was talking to my dad on the way in here today on the phone, he's he's in a nursing home. Yep. I said him, what's that, Hunty? How's he doing? Yeah, he's doing okay. That's good. Not great, but he's okay. I said, imagine doing what you're doing, Dad, without the hope of Jesus. And he said, yeah, it'd be horrendous. Because, I mean, he's in the last chapters of his life, and we're not far behind him, Hunty. Mm. And it means that as my life dwindles out and the life force lessens and the flame starts to lower that no matter what happens to me, I've got hope, and I've got hope because I've got a saviour. Someone who saves me, and that saviour is Jesus. And he takes my sins when I ask him to. 
He takes them to the cross. He pays the penalty for them. And so I can live eternally. Mm. That's what it means to me. It's everything. That's why I say Christmas is about Jesus and nothing else. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Nat King Cole, one of the greatest singers ever, hunty. Mm-hmm. Singing Oh Holy Night. This is, uh, I keep saying, my favourite, my favourite, my, these are all my favourite. <laughs> and he just sings this beautifully. Oh holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night. Of the dear Savior's birth Long lay the world In sin and error pining Till he appeared And the soul felt its worth A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices For yonder breaks A new and glorious morn Fall on your knees Oh, hear the angel voices Oh, Christ was born Oh night Divine Oh night Oh night song from Nat King Cole. Of course, he's passed away now too. Beautiful, beautiful music today. Really enjoyed it. Um, the first story testimony we shared with you today was of a Cambodian girl. And it's how through a gift, through the Samaritan purse, she found, or Jesus found her. It's a beautiful story. And she, she wept the whole way through it as she shared that testimony. Well, this is another Christmas story, hunty, mm-hmm. but it's a little bit different. Because both these people 
knew Jesus, but it's how, and they were young people, it's how through a similar program, not the Samaritan Purse, but it's called the Shoebox, a little boy, Hunty, of eight years of age, sent a gift to the Philippines that went to a little girl. And it's what God did through that gift at Christmas time changed their lives. This is another one of those stories. And I, I don't know, maybe, maybe actually I'm an old romantic, Hunty. <laughs> but this is a beautiful story of how God brought two people together. They knew him already. See, the Cambodian girl never knew him. Yep. So he brings her to him. These two knew Jesus, and so he brings them to each other. This is a Merry Christmas story. I loved it. Well, tonight, a Christmas love story to tell you about 14 years in the making. Yeah, Roland, a story that's beautifully documented in this scrapbook that may just make you believe in miracles. It is a beautiful love story. It's a love story that, will, that actually happened. It started simply with a shoebox and a photo. A Christmas care package from a little farm boy in Midvale, Idaho, who only hoped to share his blessings. Um, after our vacation Bible school at church and on our graduation ceremony, I received that shoebox. Joanna doesn't recall what was in it except for one thing. Yep, I remember that picture, and I still have it. <laughs> this picture, signed on the back, Tyrell Wolf. The eight-year-old Filipino girl cherished it, and as the years passed, she never forgot her cowboy. That shoebox um, got a little, um, I mean, a big impact into my life and also to my family. That's why I want to thank him, and so I tried finding him on Facebook. I got down there and I seen that there was this friend request from a girl in the Philippines. When I got a message from him asking how, how do you know me? And I asked him, you know about Samaritan's first? And I messaged her back and I'm like, yes, I, I did that when I was six, seven years old. And I mean, I don't remember anything I put in the boxes, but um, I, yeah, I did it. And then she responded back saying, I think I got your box. And at that, at that point, I, I was like, wow, 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 wow. It's like, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Ty's parents did not hold their 18-year-old's enthusiasm and suggested their son test Joanna's story. So if you really did get my box, so what was in it? She's like, well, I can't really recall what was in the box, but she's like, I do remember a picture in the box. So I'm like, okay, so what, what, was, what was the picture? Uh, can you describe it to me? A cute cowboy with a back, wooden background. I was like blown away. For the next year and a half, a Facebook friendship grew with daily messages becoming more personal, full of faith and hope. Ty finally earned enough money for a ticket to Manila. And my heart started beating faster as the plane got closer and closer to the destination. I was re really nervous before I, I seen him at the airport. And then I seen her and her big beautiful smile shine out of the crowd and it's like 
Wow, and the biggest question is like, Lord, is this a dream? I was just so happy, like, meeting him, seeing him face to face. At that point, we just, we just knew that there was no possible way that she could have found me just out of chance. It was just through God that she found me. The short visit cemented the couple's future. The thing that's going through my mind is I need, I have to come back. And Ty did, twice more in the next year, finally asking Joanna's father for her hand in his native tongue. Could I have your permission to marry your daughter, Joanna? Five months later, this past October, the two wed in Ty's parents' backyard. Joanna, radiant in a $5 thrift store dress, with her Midvale cowboy all grown up and now dressed in a traditional Filipino barong. For gifts, the couple asked for what else? Shoe boxes packed full of love. Who could have guessed one tiny present would lead to all of this? Then again, at Christmas time, anything is possible. Without God in the picture, it is a fairy tale. But with God in the story, it is a beautiful love story. It's a love story that will that actually happened. What a great story. Isn't that neat? And, and you know what's really neat for me, and, and there's so many elements to this that oh, are just great, yeah. but in this electronic age, yeah. and it was such an important part of this story, but not many people keep all of that, oh, uh, their relationship. This you know? is the most beautiful book. And it's not only filled with photographs, but of their original Facebook messages, of poems that they wrote mm -hmm. back and forth to one another. I mean, it's True truly, love. they're love letters that are coming yeah. out the front here. So, <laughs> by the way, you call it maybe a honeymoon of sorts, but Ty and Joanna actually drove all of those wedding shoe boxes that they got to the organization, Samaritan's Purse, which is located in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. So, and I have to mention, if, if you were inspired by the story, you still have time to create your own Operation Christmas Child Should've shoe box. You can just video. do it online. I've put a link for you on our website at IdahoOnYourSide.com. Easy to do, great yeah. thing to do with your kids on this Christmas. And who knows what it might lead to. Who knows? <laughs> exactly. Story. Hey, Hunty, did they hear me saying that? Should have pulled this I, out. I opened up the mic as I always do within the last 30 seconds. Yeah, I think we probably should have pulled that last 30 <laughs> seconds out. <laughs> you know what? Um, when you give and when you're generous and when you're kindness, kind, God always blesses you. That's a story of romance that was brought about by the kindness of the family over Christmas. By the way, Hunty, I yep. was married to my love, Lizzie, on Christmas Day. I know, I was there. So i got a romance story for another time too about you Christmas do. Day. You do, have a beautiful story. But I love that story about how this little boy with his mum was able to show some kindness to a family a long, long away, a long way away, America to the Philippines and how God brought them together. And if you watch that, not listen to it, watch it, you can see the joy and there's tears there as they both, you know, remember how the Lord brought them together. But, you know, they always say that it's, 
it's more blessed to give than receive. Yeah. But, but you can hear it in his voice. Well, that dude was blessed. Oh, yeah. He gets this beautiful girl <laughs> from the Philippines <laughs> as a wife. Uh, yeah, okay. Hey, this song is what Christmas is about. Yes. Show a little bit of love and kindness yes. from the Collingsworth family.
do need to show a little bit of love and kindness this Christmas. For sure. So whether it's whether it's Samaritan Purse or whether it's ADRA, Adventist Development and Relief Agency, I want to encourage you to look around and see what you can do this Christmas to make someone's life mm. just a little bit better. We've had two powerful stories yep. about how people giving made a difference to other people on the other side of the world. And so we need to look around as a people and work out a way that we can help others to enjoy Christmas. Because I want to just bring it home again, Hunty, as we close our program today, that Christmas is not always easy. Mm. I remember I was going out with a girl many years ago. And she had a best friend. It was Christmas Eve. And her best friend, and these were, this girl I was going out with, she'd become a good friend. We, we never, you know, it never went where it has with Liska, my wife. But we, she, this girl who was the best friend of my girlfriend was on her way home on mm. Christmas Eve to see her parents up in Queensland going from Sydney. And on Christmas Eve, she got killed in a terrible motor accident. And so every Christmas, this family remembers the loss of a daughter, of a girlfriend, of someone who's very precious to them. And I think in, for us who do enjoy Christmas, we need to remember that there are a lot of people out there, as we've already been speaking about, Hunty, mm. who don't get it easy at Christmas time. And I was thinking just about those precious people in the Ukraine now who've got to do winter Christmas without power. Well, you can think of the families in the Ukraine and in Russia mm. who are spending their first Christmas without young men. Yeah. Because they're sent to war by a psychopath. Mm. Both sides sent to war by a psychopath and the death and the mayhem over there. But if you're one of those people and Christmas is not going to be a great Christmas for you, I want to leave you with a scripture. I've kind of been intimating this the whole way through. And it's found in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. And this is a scripture that is repeated a number of times through the Bible. And this is God, and this is a message he gives directly to you. He says in Hebrews 13, verse 5, I will never leave you, I will never abandon you, I will never forsake you. Mm. So whether this Christmas is a good Christmas and a great Christmas, or whether it's a sad Christmas, what I wish you above all else is a Christmas with Jesus. Because if you're with Jesus, whether it's good or sad, you're going to be okay. Now, I was thinking you wanted to play a song now. Well, that's what's down. Okay, here we go. I wish you a Merry Christmas, I wish you a Merry Christmas, I wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Oh, bring us some figgy pudding, oh, bring us some figgy pudding, oh, bring us some figgy pudding and bring it out here. We won't go until we got some, we won't go until we got some, we won't go until we got some, so bring some out here.
Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Oh, bring us some figgy pudding. Oh, bring us some figgy pudding. Oh, bring us some figgy pudding and bring it out here. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We do wish you Merry Christmas. We do. Want to thank you, our listeners, for sticking with us this year. Absolutely. Looking forward to coming back in 2023. Three, yep. We're going to, going to make some changes to our program, Hunty. We're going to refresh it. Yep. We're going to have a great year. But we above are. all else, I hope and pray that you're going to continue to see glimpses of Jesus as we share with you from our hearts about how good God is. And we do wish you Merry Christmas. But most of all, as I've already been saying, we wish you Jesus. And I apologise for these uh, little L-plate moments in today's program, but it, all this gear is brand new. We just got it going a few minutes before we started today. Yeah, to be fair, um, so if you hear me cutting in and saying <laughs> like things, or, or we, we even, we, you may not have noticed it, but we made a mistake together at the end there Oh, that too. was me. I'll take There's, that. <laughs> no, not really. We're going we're gonna to continue to make, well, hopefully we'll have it ironed out, but Hunty has worked. 20 hours a day <laughs> trying to get this gear up. And, and this is our replacement gear. And it's really nice. Um, for the flood that wipes us out. I hope you sound out. better. Well, who knows? Who knows? We'll know when we get home. <laughs> I don't know whether you can ever get a, what is it, a silk purse <laughs> yeah, out of a sow's yes. ear. But anyway, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We'll see you the first Tuesday in February. We will. If you want to catch us between now and then, go online and you're going to see at the Aussie Pastor Facebook or YouTube and you will see us because we're going to go right through with this program. Let me close the year and the beginning of Christmas. Let me open it with a prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for being with us today. Whether our lives are bruised and wounded and hurt or whether we're silent into Christmas on top of the mountain, I pray that we'll have a good Christmas, but more than that, that we'll never ever lose sight of the fact that you are with us, you remain with us, you never leave us. So bless us, bless our listeners through this precious time and bring us back together next year as we continue to praise and share the gospel and the story of you. Thank you for you, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he came, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, my name is Lord Grolleman and I'm the Aussie pastor. And my name is Hunty, I'm the tech, and we love you. But God loves you so much more. See you next year. Yeah, see you next year. Thanks for joining the Aussie pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 